Hello and welcome to the Intentional Family Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, joined by my husband and co-host, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, it's not very often I get called Michael. It's so formal. Well, so I've always called you Michael. That's I don't know if true. you've ever noticed that, but in our how long, over 20 years we've been together. Term of endearment. I've always, I have this thing about me where I love full names and even our children who have some have long names, they're still their full names. It's true. And the world knows you as Mike, Mike Schmitz. <laughs> but to me, you're always Michael. All so right. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> Today, we are actually discussing simplicity. And it's a little comical to me at the moment because I just got off of a week of anti-simplicity, if that's a thing. No, <laughs> uh, I just had a lot going on. I tried to we did some fun stuff as a family for our spring break. And then I had a big old event and outreach to coordinate right when we got back. And it was all really good. And then we had some family stuff. But you know when you have a lot going on and it all comes to the head and all of a sudden you feel this, ah, I just yeah. need a little breathing space. I had a little bit of that today and it was really comical for me to think about, <laughs> okay, let's go record a podcast on simplicity. Could I please have some of that? Yeah. Maybe that's why we're recording it. It's like a shout out to, can I please have some of this in my life? Well, let's start there with the, <laughs> the value of simplicity then. And I think you just hit on the biggest reason for it is that the simpler things are, the more margin you have. Yeah. And margin can exist in a lot of different areas. You can have emotional margin where if you're constantly in the middle of like a really tense situation, then even just like one more little negative thing can be enough to cause you to completely break down. And that's totally true. <laughs> you can also have financial margin where you are living paycheck to paycheck. And then as soon as something unexpected happens, things are a really big deal. In fact, Sean was telling me, Sean Blanc uh, was telling this story about he brought his SUV in for some scheduled maintenance and he said he felt really, really bad because there was a person there who their tires had blown up uh, and so they had to replace them. And it wasn't something that they had anticipated. And so this woman was on the phone with her boyfriend because she didn't have the money in her account and he was at work and he was trying to get the money transferred so that they could pay to put new tires on the vehicle because the vehicle was undrivable and she was late for work. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. a, a really sad situation. But if we're not careful, we kind of paint ourselves in that corner sometimes because things are going to happen. A lot of the unexpected stuff is simply just we were so busy, we didn't notice things wearing out. It's just the systems in our lives, you know, that things yeah. are going to eventually break. Mm -hmm. And if you don't anticipate the, the the point where things are going to break, if you don't have the margin, you know, you just get stuck in like, I just got to survive one more day. Then you can find yourself in that place where like, okay, now the, the stuff has hit the fan and now what do I do? So simplicity is kind of like a safeguard against all of that. Simplicity in all these different areas is, your, is a tool you can use to create margin so things aren't as hard as they can be. Yeah. And actually, I get this visual picture of an actual loose leaf piece of paper and the margins because before everything was so digital and we typed everything, 
we had to handwrite things. We had to handwrite papers. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the teacher's comments would go in the margin a lot of times, like if we had some errors or different things. And the more margin that we leave, and if we don't cross over that line and write into the margin, there's more space to see the errors and to make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And so I just see that picture of like, here's my handwritten paper. I didn't go into the margins and my teacher was able to use the the red pen and write all these comments and improvements. And in our life, when we give ourselves time and space in every area, then the inevitable things that come up, unexpected things that come up, don't just totally get us off track Mm -hmm. because it's just another adjustment and we can handle it. And like the financial end is is a big one for most people. And if you've ever felt that where you've gotten to the place where you have a savings and you have a cushion, it's this strange shift that happens. It's like, where did all the emergencies go? I feel like I don't (laughs) have these financial emergencies anymore. Well, that's because there's a margin there. That's because there's a safeguard. There is this emergency fund there in place. And all of a sudden, there's no emergencies because really it's all taken care of already. And that's really, that is true for every area. And yeah, emotional, you know, giving yourself time and space for yourself. But here's the thing with the margins. I I think a lot of people view like if you were to leave excess margins, you're lazy, right? You're that person who just doesn't want to write the words and you're trying to make the margin just a little bit bigger and you're using (laughs) 2.2 spacing (laughs) instead of double spacing, right? And there's a negative connotation with that, I think, in people's minds. I know I've felt that way. But in the school of life, you don't get extra credit for cramming more words on your page. Yeah. And your page, like the document that you have to work with is literally your calendar. Yeah. And so we feel this inherent pressure because everybody else is so busy. In fact, if you were to ask someone, how is it going? They're going to say, oh, man, just been really busy lately. Like it's a badge of honor, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's one positive thing that all of like the the quarantine stuff with COVID is it was kind of, we talked about this on the podcast, a giant reset, right? Yeah. Where people were re- rethinking about, we took that as an opportunity to rethink about all the things that we were committed to. Mm-hmm. And the goal was to edit our lives in a way that it was simpler. Yeah, And true. when we did that, we got that margin mm-hmm. and things were honestly a lot better. <laughs> yeah. We haven't been eager to add things in. We've actually been very careful about adding all the extracurricular type yep. things in. And we've mentioned before how now we're even doing uh, uh, FaceTime piano lessons and Mike's doing guitar lessons with our missionaries from Costa Rica and how that has saved us a ton of travel time and being downtown for hours on end on Monday nights. And there's a lot of those adjustments. And that is a great example of margin being created by things being simpler. Yeah. Right. Because we Mm -hmm. had to think about, well, we couldn't, we can't do this the way we used to. Is this still important? And then Mm -hmm. once we decided, yes, it's important. Well, what is the most effortless way to do this? Yeah. And I am totally stealing that from Greg McKeown, who is coming out with a book. (laughs) Right. We'll put the link in the show notes for people who are interested in it. Uh, People people who pre-ordered the book were able to attend a webinar that he and his wife had done. And I watched that webinar. You kind of watched it. You were doing other stuff. Yeah. But it was really it was really cool because it was a one hour webinar and it was uh, it was organized by his publisher. 
And he and his wife were both on it and they spent 30 minutes just kind of talking about the process of writing the book and the whole idea of things being effortless. And I don't want to steal all of their thunder, but really the big thing that stood out to me is that, okay, so you, first of all, this is a guy who wrote essentialism. Mm -hmm. So number one, the things that we're committing to, are they essential? Yeah. And then once we decide that they are essential, we can still find ourselves completely stressed out, running back and forth between all these different things. So then the question is, okay, how do I make this more effortless? And mm-hmm. that really stuck with me. I've been asking myself that about a lot of different things yeah. at home. Like, how can I make all of these processes, all of these yeah. different systems that we have, <laughs> how can I make this more effortless yeah. so we have more margin and we feel mm-hmm. better about about things? Yeah, I just had the big event I pulled off this weekend, and there's a lot of last-minute things I had to do. And that happens every time. There's some stuff you really can't do until right before But it was the day before, and I'm going, I have this task list. And there's one thing that as I step back and I'm like, okay, I just need to slow down and stop just hammering all these things. Who who can I ask to help me? Who who can I ask that will just simplify this? They can I can offload this part to them. And all of a sudden, this when I step back far enough, I was able to remember this retired, incredible gentleman at our church. And I'm like, you know what? I bet you if I called him. I could say, can I get these prizes to you to assemble for tomorrow? Would you bring them? Because he was coming to the event anyway. I called him. He was like, I'd be happy to. So instead of me getting my head so stuck and doing all the things, I was able to step, step back and say, what would make this simpler? Because I can't do all of this. What is the effortless solution exactly. to this problem? <laughs> and it was perfect. He brought them all perfectly assembled. I didn't even have to get out a wrench or any tool, which made me really happy. Yeah. That's great. Now, effortless does not mean that you have a complicated problem and you dump it in somebody else's lap, but this was the right person at the right time. And I think when when it comes to delegating specifically, we have this belief that, well, I don't like doing this thing. Nobody else will like doing this thing. That's not true. It's not true. And then also, this thing is really hard for me. So this is a big ask if I ask somebody to do this. Also not true. (laughs) There are people who can do things better than you and they like doing them more than you. So you should not feel bad about asking for help when you need it. You you don't get extra extra credit for suffering through something. (laughs) Right. And it's like, I'm the kind of person where I could figure it out and I'll do it, right? I have done it enough times. But it was... One of those, should I be doing this? And it's not that I'm, I am too proud to do it. It wasn't that mm-hmm. at all. It was, there is someone that would probably love to do this. Yeah. Assemble these prizes that will be given to these children tomorrow. Like that would be yep. really, that would just really make them happy and excited about life. And that's what happened. <laughs> yes. And if you get one thing from this entire podcast, 27 <laughs> episodes in... <laughs> It is this, to be intentional about selecting the things that only you can do that make yeah. the biggest impact. It's very true. And not worrying about this, the other stuff or finding the right people to plug into those places. Yeah. With a family specifically, I think there's there's a lot to be said about that. Um, but I want to touch on this concept really behind simplicity. This is something that I came across several years ago when I first started geeking out about productivity. <laughs> uh, it's Occam's Razor. And this is uh, the belief, or the, the statement, actually, that the simplest solution is the best solution. In other words, 
things should be made as simple as possible, but no simpler. I think Albert Einstein is the one who said that. Now, why should they be made as simple as possible? Well, because added complexity means more opportunities for things to go wrong. Yeah. And when you provide an opportunity for something to go wrong, frequently it will. That's very true. <laughs> so let's just minimize those opportunities and do the the easy thing. Now, that doesn't mean we just mail Take it easy in. easy way out. Yeah. yeah. When I say easy, uh, really effortless is the, is the perfect word for this. You know, what is the the version that gets me to the... Uh, the finished version of this that is going to require the least amount of stress and anxiety and work for me. And that's not a bad thing if we choose that path. We don't have to compromise excellence just because things are are simple. But a lot yeah. of times we just make things way harder than they, they have to be. In, yeah. in the webinar, Greg talked about how there was somebody, I forget if it was him or if it was somebody else, that they were asked to help, must have been somebody else, uh, asked to help prepare like a curriculum for this university that they could deliver to people who couldn't actually attend like the online classes. And he told the story and the person was like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, this thing. It's going to be this big like Hollywood production and my, I'm going to blow my professor away. It's going to be awesome. Turns out it was just one student who needed to have the lectures recorded with a smartphone in class uh, and then just send the files whoops. off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you don't even you don't even go there mm -hmm. unless you're looking for the simple or the effortless yeah. solution. Your yeah. your your brain, at least my brain, you know, typically is like, what's the 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 biggest, most grandiose version of this? I tend to be and then yeah. I tend to be a perfectionist. You know, I won't ship the thing. I won't until be done perfect, with it yeah. until it's absolutely It's never which, gonna be perfect. Exactly. Which means it never gets out there. <laughs> never do anything. Never ship it. Yeah. Yeah. I often overcomplicate things by trying to do too much, by not asking for help or overthinking. And I know I'm not alone in that. I know I have some friends in the room with me. Well a friend in the room with me and those listening that probably <laughs> overcomplicate things. And what is the goal of that really? I feel like when I'm trying, and I'm in that place of just trying to do too much or overcomplicate things, I feel like I'm being pushed. Instead of, that, that word keeps coming back effortless, instead of just walking and doing the thing I'm supposed to be doing, staying my course, doing what I'm meant to do, by overcomplicating things, it's like I have this big, big old backpack and I keep loading stuff on that shouldn't even be done. Yeah, this is one of the biggest reasons that we get ourselves stretched too thin is that we plan based on assuming everything is going to work out perfectly and plans never go exactly according to how you envision them. Even when you build in like a margin for error, we are terrible at estimating these things. So you could have a couple different ways that this manifests. You could work in a, in a job and you have a boss who's constantly throwing things on your calendar and stretching you too thin. The more common one though, and the one that we can control is that past you has made commitments that current you can't keep. That is a tough spot. <laughs> and you get super stressed out about it. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> and you resent the fact that you have to do these things. And the fact that you resent them means that you procrastinate on them and you fall further behind, which makes you feel even worse. This is a vicious negative cycle that we fall into. Yeah. We want to nip that in the, the bud. And one of the best ways to do that is through simplicity. Yeah. 
And uh, maybe we can take this in a different direction if, if you want, but you have in the notes the the kind of the, the recommendations or the suggestions, maybe the tips for like making sure that you don't try to do too much. Yeah. And, and I think this might be a really cool spot to talk sure. about that. Because I mentioned how I, I fall prey to overcomplicating things by doing too much, ask, not asking for help and overthinking. And I have some examples that I've used in my own life for each of those. So yeah, let's walk through those first. So for doing less, it's really, for me, I, I really have to nail down what is the most important thing for me today. This is not enough, not the first place you've heard this. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. But for me, like let's say weekdays, I homeschool my children. So the priority is to help them with their schoolwork. And if there's other things that I have to do, whether it's for the family, whether it's for ministry or for helping a person, I'm their teacher. So let's just give this picture. If you had to bring your kids to school, would you not bring them to school because you have all this stuff to do? Okay, that like that's like me. I'm their teacher, right? I can't not bring them to school because I have all yeah. this other stuff to do. So for me, like Monday through Friday, that is that's on there. Like if we don't do anything else, but we get through all our schoolwork successfully, that's a win. Yeah, exactly. And then beyond that, okay, I really have to get nail the budget today so we can talk about it tomorrow when Mike and I meet and have our little date night thing. So it's like each day it's really important for me to do less and focus on what is absolutely the most important today. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was hoping you would go there because you have in here to select a certain number of tasks for the day. Now you mentioned like your most important thing. Yeah. And that is that one thing, if that's all, that's a great place to start. It's just write down one thing that is, this is the one thing that if nothing else gets yeah. done today, it is successful. No, this really causes really positive momentum and it breaks that negative cycle you were just talking about of creating that big old long list of I'm going to do all these things because I yep. am very I can get, get very ambitious and get going <laughs> yep. and I'm like I can do all this stuff and then I just get I wear like I get run down and then it's yep. like I feel defeated because I didn't get it all done yep so pick one and yeah. actually the book Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zaratsky is really great if you want to know more about this they call it the highlight you write down your highlight for the day And then as long as you have some time on your schedule where you can laser focus on your highlight and get that done, then you can feel good about your day. Most people will not just quit at the highlight. They'll do kind of what you did where you say, I've got to do the budget and yada, yada, yada. And that's where they get into trouble because you just throw one more thing on and then one more thing on and then one more thing on. And then pretty soon your task list is 20 items long. (laughs) And every single day you're not doing them. And every single day you're feeling guilty about not doing them. And every single day you are proving to yourself that you are not the type of person who follows through on their commitments. And that is not a good place to that be. That is toxic. you yes. got to break that. So yep. one of the things that you can do to fight against that is simply to put in a barrier. Yeah. And one of the most effective ways to do this is to limit the number of things that you try to get done in a day. Yeah. I time block my day every day. On my, my desk here, I've got my fancy notebook with my fancy fountain pens. <laughs> And I limit it to five things in a day. I time block every every single day. So every hour gets a job and you do something similar Mm -hmm. because I actually created this thing for faith-based productivity. And then you started using it and you're like, hey, this really works. Now our 13-year-old son is time blocking their day. It's pretty great. (laughs) But uh, I've learned the hard way that 
I've got to force myself to stay within those constraints of nope, only five things today. Even if I will go into my workday thinking, well, I've only got like my one, like tomorrow I've got this weekly stand up meeting, which is like 15, 20 minutes. The rest of my day is mine. I can do whatever I want with that. And I do have some big things that I need to, to get done. So it's tempting for me to be like, oh, well, no meetings today and uh, no extracurriculars today. Well, I could, I could do 10 things tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I know from experience, if I were to try to do 10 things, it is not going to happen. And not only that, but I feel like with, with working at home for you, and then for me being home with the kids all the time, those those boundaries are really, really important because we need to stop and work out, uh, eat a meal as a family, play a game with our kids, go in the backyard and play lightning. We need to just stop trying to yes. accomplish everything all at all hours of waking hours of the day. It's just not healthy. Yes. Now, Let's talk a little bit more about constraints and then let's talk about what you were just hitting on, which is like all the other things that are important but not urgent that people typically don't get to. That's really where the simplicity can can help. But let's, since we're talking about the workday, one other thing that we should talk about here, you mentioned Parkinson's law in the notes. Yeah, it. I. this is so true. If I don't know if you've experienced this, but basically Parkinson's law states that work will expand to fill the time allotted. And that's so true. And I have seen this totally true. My big example of this is this start of the school year for me with the four boys in first, third, fifth, and seventh grade is that they each needed me for certain subjects. We had to sit down together. And then with the little girl being the little toddler three-year-old, it's like, how do people do this? And I remember having a parent meeting for um, our fourth to sixth grade essentials program. And I, when the meeting was done, I was like, okay, before everyone leaves, can I ask a question? Because, and I explained what was going on. I was like, how do you do this? How do you manage like these four boys needing different help, different times of the day, having the toddler running around, doing all the things. And the best thing I heard and this inspired me to do it. Uh, it was another mom of five, and her children are older than mine overall. And she said, we actually create a schedule, and they each get up to an hour of my time every school day, where it's undivided. They get me for an hour, so bring whatever schoolwork that you need my help with, mm -hmm. but you get an hour. And I was looking at her like, this is amazing. This is like the best advice I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it hit the mark, and we've been doing that. And we, one child likes to push it to the full hour and then kind of stretch past a little bit. And it's just freed up everything so much because he's getting there. He's getting, no, he's doing, he actually really is doing really great. And then the other kids can take turns with our daughter Adelaide and play with her or do stuff with her. Mm -hmm. And it has just totally transformed my homeschool life with the kids. And it's teaching our kids a valuable lesson, which is basically Parkinson's law. Yes. <laughs> like your work is going to take as long as you make it take. Mm -hmm. That's one of the big values, I think, in homeschooling is that you're not at school from 730 until 330 every day, regardless of what you get done. 
you have your work you need to do. Yeah. And once you are done with your work, you can do the other things <laughs> you that you want to do. do. Other <laughs> things. Right. It doesn't have to take six hours after school to get your homework done because yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get to it in, in class. Yeah. Right. So, and, and this is with all the work that I do over at the, the suite setup. I mean, this is the, the skills they're going to need mm-hmm. in the, this economy, the, this future that we're going into where focus is the superpower, right? Mm-hmm. So develop these systems, keep things simple. Don't stretch things out, make them take longer than they have to. You know, you're, you're teaching them basically time blocking. You mentioned in here about <laughs> Toby using the Pomodoro method, yes. which uh, just real briefly, that is based on those uh, tomato shaped kitchen timers. Mm-hmm. Pomodoro is actually the Italian word for tomato. And uh, you set a timer for 25 minutes. You focus on only one thing. Then when your Pomodoro goes off, you take a five-minute break, and then you repeat. 25 minutes on, five minutes off. You do that four times, and you take a longer break. And I know for a fact that when people who work from home or people who have control over their schedule, when they first start their journey and they, they start implementing something like the Pomodoro method, you say, well, just do eight Pomodoros in a day, and then look at what you get done. Now, eight Pomodoros in a day, 25 on, five off, that's only four hours, mm-hmm. right? But pretty much every person I have seen who has taken that approach, they do their eight Pomodoros and they are blown away by how much they've got done. Sometimes it's twice as much as they would normally get done yeah. in a full eight hour day and they've it's done true. it in four hours and now they have the rest of the day to do other things yep. or put some thinking time into that big project that just keeps getting kicked down the road, you know, things like that. But you have the time that you can now allot to the things that you decide are important. It's not just that you can take it easy and now you can kick your feet up and eat bonbons. That doesn't happen, (laughs) right? But it makes everything (laughs) a lot less stressful. Yeah, that's very true. Another example of this that we have put in effect in our family is cleaning, because for a long time, I have just done the cleaning. And there was one year when I was working a lot, doing a lot of wedding photography, and we had the three boys, and my youngest was probably around one at the time. I did have a a cleaning lady come, an incredible lady from our church who's like, she cleans like no one I've ever known. But anyway, side note, I do miss her, but that's okay. We clean. And I found that I want my boys to leave the house, my children to leave the house, knowing how to clean, Mm-hmm. Knowing how to cook, knowing how to do laundry, all the things that they would need to do on their own. So now let me interject here that I barely know how to do all those things, but I do. <laughs> so but the you reason married me, so okay. I, I will admit <laughs> my own faults here on the on the air that uh, the reason that the cleaning typically would get put on you is that. I tend not to notice it <laughs> and it drives you crazy. <laughs> oh, I love a clean, tidy house, which is really hard in a family of seven. Yeah. Oh, and I've had I, to let go of a lot of that. This is one of my faults. I just don't even see this stuff. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I will I will do better. <laughs> okay. So, but what? here's what we did. Knowing that I wanted my children to learn how to actually clean for real. And then also knowing that they wanted to earn money. Okay, this is a perfect opportunity. It was about six months process where it was one day a week, usually Thursdays, 
And I would say, okay, now it's time to clean. I created this, these cleaning checklists. They're in these plastic sleeves. We use dry erase markers and they check them off. I trained my oldest two boys how to actually clean the bathroom, like the toilet and everything. And then I taught my other son, my younger son, to how to vacuum really well. And the other, the youngest son kind of just helps put around with whatever I can give him to do, keeping him busy. And he's getting better at actually cleaning too. <laughs> yeah. But it's great because a they are helping clean the house. We can do it all in an hour. I don't care if it's perfect because it's better than if I had to sit there and do it myself for a few hours. Yeah. We just keep it to an hour. We all do our things. If they complete it and I have to sign off on everything, I check everything, they all earn their money. And it has been great because I've had to let go of my perfectionist, I love tidy and clean and train them and let it be imperfect but clean. Yep. And it's just hitting so many great things here. And this is a great spot to talk about some of the ways that we've simplified the process to help keep things clean. And we can talk about some of the other things that we've done. And and we don't stick to these 100%. But this is kind of what we we shoot for. Like one of the things I know is the the dishes piling up in the sink. So systemic answer to that problem is at the end of mealtime, everybody... Rinse. Clear clear off yep. the table, rinse off your dishes and put them right into yep. the dishwasher. And so before a mealtime, it's make sure if there's clean dishes in the dishwasher, someone unload them yep. so that we can all load our own dishes afterwards. Yep. And it's a simple solution. I'm not stuck in the kitchen forever doing all the dishes in the cleanup. Everyone's doing their part. All those simple things. So if we... If we just take a step back, I, I've mentioned Sam Carpenter before, but his his uh, slightly elevated view outside and slightly elevated is how he puts it. Yep. That is so, so powerful. That is an incredible practice with anything. If you ever feel stuck or you feel like you have this like super narrow focus and you're not seeing stuff right, this is the ticket. Get outside of the situation, get a slightly elevated view, and things will become more clear. And this was one of those like, oh, this is a pretty simple solution. And it really is. Yep. Another thing we started doing recently was I actually have a recurring reminder on my phone at 7 p.m. every night, toy <laughs> cleanup. Yeah. So that we're not all getting ready for bed and then their room's a mess and they left all these toys out. Yep. That just keeping the clutter at bay and having a regular cleanup, like let's just do a clean sweep, and remember, is really powerful. And remember, we've talked about the the pie charts before. Toys Tidy is one of those pies, yep. Yep. right? But we win or we lose as a team, and we're part of that team too. So we recognize, okay, guys, you're having trouble with this. It's time for bed. Your room's a mess. Now you're going to bed late. Yep. You know, let's try to fix this so that we can do better in the, the future. Yep. So. That's one way that we've tried to to solve that. Yeah. And and these again, these don't mean that everything is now set it and forget it and everything and nothing ever breaks ever again. I mean, there are days when the dishes do pile up yep. in the the sink. Mm-hmm. But it's not a huge deal. It can be a huge deal if there's all these different areas yeah. where things are supposed to be one way and you just let them slide and then they seem to all line up at the same time, yeah. right? And that's when your tires blow on the way to work and you don't have enough money to yes, to pay true. for uh, replacements and stuff like that. Yeah, so we've talked about doing less. <laughs> we've talked about 
a lot of different things that we can do to simplify. Another thing I mentioned in the beginning when I said I overcomplicate things by doing too much and not asking for help and overthinking, it would be asking for help. And I did mention the recent example with a gentleman assembling prizes for me for the event I led yesterday. Mm -hmm. Another example that is one of my favorites is when I had to potty train my daughter. It was it was a struggle because I thought she'd potty train way earlier, but I don't know. There's a lot of factors going on here. But I was finding myself trying to do school with the kids, with her four older brothers, and then trying to potty train her. I'm like, this is not happening. (laughs) Like, this is crazy. If you've ever potty trained a child, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. If if I could interject real quickly, I think actually that's not quite how the thought process went in your head. You probably thought, you correct me if I'm wrong, but you probably thought something like, I, there's something wrong with me because I am not able to get her to potty train. Oh, absolutely. Right. So you're projecting (laughs) your failure and it's not, I I shouldn't even say it that way. You're projecting this negative outcome as a personal failure on yourself, Yeah. which was completely unnecessary. Yes. But I think everybody will tend to fall into that trap. So I want to point out. Moms are notorious for that. We just... We take on everything as our own fault if it doesn't work, which is not healthy. Don't do that. (laughs) I'm going to try not to do that either. (laughs) But what I did was I called my mom. I called my mom. I did it. (laughs) I am not too proud to call my mom, okay? I knew that. To be fair, your mom is the child whisperer. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So this woman, she's been, she's so incredible with children. She's one of the most incredible people with children I've ever known. She basically grew up taking care of her own siblings. That's a whole different story. And then she had four of us kids by the time she was 21, us, me and my siblings. And then she raised us on her own because my dad died when I was really young, which I've told that story before. Mm -hmm. And then after managing different stores, she just tried to do anything to keep, um, keep us in a house and food on the table. Yep. She eventually went into childcare and did childcare for over 25 years. And now she has all these grandkids that she just loves to spend time with. Mm-hmm. So I, I called her. I was like, can you take, because I knew she was in transition with jobs. I was like, can you just come for like three days just for the daytime when I'm doing school with the kids and do one-on-one with her? Because I did that with all the boys. I would have mm-hmm. like a full morning to start it off. And we did the full potty training deal with all the special things we did. And that always helped. I'm like, I can't do that right now. In this season, I can't do that. And I don't want to keep pushing her older and older so she's potty trained. And it was awesome. She was potty trained in a few days. And it wasn't perfect. Like, you know, she had some accidents and stuff. But please don't be too proud to ask for help. (laughs) Yeah, You're not less of a mom. You're not less of a dad. You're not less of a person for asking for help. It will enable you to do what you're really supposed to do. And that is just so powerful. Mm-hmm. A couple other things that I think are great examples of how you can create better outcomes, do the things that would typically fall through the cracks are important but not urgent through simplicity is just kind of like structuring these routines. The more complicated your routines are, the more chances there are for them to go off the rails, but just eliminate all the friction that you can for the things that you really want to do. So... We kind of did that with meals. We 
with the COVID, we re- reset everything because we're all home all the time and we're trying to eat. I, I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> you guys eat breakfast. But lunch and dinner, we mm-hmm. typically eat together. Uh, and the the cleanup, you know, part of that, that makes that easier. So there's a greater chance that we can continue to eat meals together. Uh, we play a lot of board games together. Mm-hmm. And when bedtime for the little ones doesn't go the way it's supposed to, then board games is typically the thing that gets sacrificed, right? Mm-hmm. We've got a ping pong table and a foosball table in our basement. We gave those as group gifts for the entire family the last two Christmases Yep. because we wanted to create more intentional moments where I am working on something in my office and I've got a little bit of a break. I need to come out of my focus cave for air. Yeah, it's a good break for you. And, yeah, we can yeah. play foosball. We can play ping yep. pong. Go right out the basement door. There's the basketball yeah. hoop. Play and it's a quick a round of really lightning. really quick, easy, fun way for you to connect with the boys. Exactly. It doesn't yeah. need to take yeah. three hours yes. of us playing basketball. It can be five minutes every single yes. day. But that investment, they'll, they just, it's so impactful. It's five, 10 minutes. And it's like, dad is willing to grab me in the middle of his work day and play a game with me. Mm-hmm. And it's really simple. Really and simple. It doesn't always work. You doesn't know, sometimes always. things don't always day, line up. But yeah. But it happens more frequently than it, it doesn't. And it mm-hmm. absolutely happens more frequently than it would otherwise if it was just left to, to chance. We've kind right. of designed these systems where we maximize the chances mm-hmm. of creating those intentional moments together. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Simplicity is just so, so important. One other example I would like to share before we start wrapping up here is I am actually a tutor for Classical Conversations. That means that I am a lead learner. We don't call ourselves teachers because most of us aren't licensed. Some of them, some are actually, they have teaching degrees and are licensed. But I personally am not. This year I have a group of fifth, fourth and fifth grade boys. And I have learned in the last two years of tutoring that the simpler I make my lessons, the better they are. When I try and over-research or over-plan or do too much, it goes over their heads and it just is clunky. Yeah. So the simpler I make my lessons, the better. Some of our memory work that we do is simple songs. We use silly voices or do crazy things with our body, and I make them jump around a lot because they're boys stuck in a in a room together, you know, chanting different memory work like our math memory work, and marching <laughs> around the room, just different things like that, and keeping it really simple. And what. Uh, the founder talks about of classical conversations is keep it a stick in the sand approach. And what Mm. she means by that is it's so simple that you could teach any of this. If all you had on a beach was a stick and the sand in front of you. Yeah. And that's, I believe a very good approach to everything. And it's not out of like, I don't want to work. I don't want to do hard work. It's not that at all. It's that truly the best solution is usually the, simplest solution it is you know i uh, we've talked about the the man school stuff that we do with the the boys and we go through that that curriculum and that is not designed for kids that is designed for like men's ministries at churches and it's literally just a bunch of bible verses Mm -hmm. and it's all in the king james (laughs) i'm doing it easy to read with a 13 11 9 and 7 year old (laughs) right so it's good for me 
because we're reading these verses together and then I have to explain it to them in a way that they get it. And I have a Bible college degree, so I've heard these verses before. But I have found that I get a lot of inspiration and revelation from having to make it simple. It's true. (laughs) You can hear things, and especially if you hear them over and over again, you think, oh, yeah, I I get that, right? And you can maybe even spit it back, Mm -hmm. but you don't really understand it until you try to teach it to somebody else. That's very true. And the more you understand something, actually, the better you are at making it simple. Mm -hmm. When you're kind of at the beginner levels of understanding, that's when you can spit back all of the facts and the numbers and make it really complicated. But that's kind of surface level understanding. When you really get it, you can condense it down and put it into a simpler package. And as you do that, you might be shocked at what you learn in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess one other thing I thought of that when you're talking is with schoolwork, with one child in particular, I have to be really mindful each day of what's appropriate. Because if we just always just go off the list out of the sake of going off our school list, it's not hitting the mark. Mm. And that's really for any child. One thing I have, I really firmly believe in is the power of reading, the power of giving, passing on to your children a love for reading. Mm-hmm. And this weird thing happens when we have to read for school, or we have to start doing book reports and things are assigned. The amount of time children spend reading for fun drastically declines. Mm. I believe that by the time they get to middle school or even high school, 8% of children read for fun. Now, if that's mm. 8%, then that means there's a, a few kids that read all the time and the rest don't really read for fun. Yep. That's what that means. Yep. And I was just talking to my son today. I'm just talking about th- keeping things simple. I'm sitting outside in our backyard in these really fun hammock chairs that Mike just got for the backyard. They're so comfy and relaxing. And him and I, Joshua is in one, I'm in the other. We both have our books and you just hear the birds. And it's so peaceful. It was such a beautiful day. And he goes, Mom, my friend gave me this book, and I it's a really good book, and I was reading it, and I stopped when school started this year. Mm. And he's sitting there, and he read like a fourth of it while we were sitting there. <laughs> and I'm sitting there reading my book and just thinking about how this is so simple. This feels so refreshing and yeah. nice. And not that things are always me sitting in a hammock, reading a book in the backyard, drinking my coffee with birds chirping all around me, but it just helped center things for me today. Yeah, that's great. Because things were like a whirlwind. And literally a few hours ago, we weren't going to record right now because (laughs) it was a whirlwind. And I things were complicated. Things came to a climax (laughs) and I'm like, I felt this like total overwhelm like i i don't even know like i couldn't even really articulate because things just kind of all came to a head and then once i was able to just separate myself from that and have a little bit of perspective yeah it helped break that off exactly and And simplify it again and that's that's what simplicity does is it creates that margin for you to maintain that perspective yes if you're constantly running from one thing to the next you're jumping from you know, head down working on this thing to head down working yeah. on the next thing, you never get the opportunity to step outside the work yeah. and ask yourself, 
why am I even doing this? Yeah, and even today when it was all coming to head with all the different things and just looking around going, oh my gosh, my house is so cluttered right now. I need to throw in another load of laundry. Oh my goodness, <laughs> we have to start school again tomorrow after spring break. And I had to just stop. Mm-hmm. And then I went out and I get, got the boys. I'm like, let's go play some rounds of lightning. Let's go outside and just have some fun. Lightning makes everything better. Lightning does. I just, I felt like, wow, I feel like a different person. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's so easy for any of us to fall prey to the trap of overcomplicating even the smallest of tasks. And I just really encourage you to try it where you get outside, get an elevated view of the simplest, and you'll find the simplest solution. Just stop overthinking every situation. Ask for help. Delegate it. With some of these ideas, we can all make strides to simplify our lives. Thanks for listening to the Intentional Family Podcast. We can be found at intentionalfamily.fm. Until next time, join us in living life intentionally. Intentionally.